0: It's another beautiful day here with the Favela Real Stories Realized Podcast, where we find a deeper connection through sharing our stories. If you like this episode, or even if you don't, like, share, comment, subscribe, all the above. Remember, you can find us at favelastories.com. That's F like Fox, A-B-E-L-L-A stories.com. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash favelastories. We are always on the lookout for genuine, heartfelt stories. So if you want to connect and find healing through sharing your story, go to FabellaStories.com slash share dash a dash story or email us at info at FabellaStories.com. This episode is a real love story. I speak with my grandpa and his relationship with my grandma and their struggles with her having Parkinson's disease, it is both heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time.
1: Yeah, she, uh, she was raised down in the genoa Santaquin area in Utah, that's just south of Provo. Her dad uh, got a job, I think it was out at the INL site, uh, doing construction out there, and so they moved to Idaho Falls and they bought a little motel that was on the north highway there just by the underpass uh, under the railroad there big old tires is there now mm-hmm. but anyway they had a little motel there that they ran for several years one afternoon several of us boys were playing basketball at the church and a group of girls came in they had to, thought they were going to come in and practice their marching routines there were members of the uh, what they called caiketa it was a a marching team that performed at the ball games and things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but we kind of sidetracked them a little bit and challenged them to play a few games of basketball. I challenged Peggy to to a game of twenty-one.
0: So this was the first time you met her.
1: First time I met her.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. And she beat me. <laughs> <laughs> of Love course, at I, first sight. <laughs> course, of course, I have a good excuse. I was just busy watching her <laughs> and we started uh, we started dating I had to had to ace out a few other guys but uh, <laughs> we, one of the neighbor boys had asked her to go to the dance with him and one night uh, one of my friends and I were downtown and we stopped in at the, the local malt shop and Peggy and her date were in there we just kind of invited ourselves to join him. <laughs> <laughs> he just went over and sat down by him? He went over and sat down by him, and I guess uh, it was pretty obvious to Melvin that Peggy and I were kind of flirting back and forth. And so on, his, on the way home that night, he said, you might as well go to the dance with Lee because you'll be dancing with him <laughs> all the night anyway. <laughs> and we dated, uh, dated all through our sophomore year, and we kind of cooled things a little bit. We didn't date during the last two years of high school.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you date anyone else, or you just didn't? Date I anyone? did
1: once in a while. Once in a while, Peggy'd uh, get me a date to go to one of the dances. She would get you one. <laughs> she'd get me a date. Yeah. <laughs> she, she'd see me in the hall at school and say, yeah, "I've got a friend that needs a date to the dance. <laughs> would you go uh, Sure, I'll go with her. <laughs> That's funny. But she got accepted to go to school at BYU and I got accepted at uh, Utah State. And I don't know, I can't remember what the circumstance was. I must have walked her home from one of the mutual meetings or something. But anyway, I I, I said uh, it was a couple of weeks before we were heading off to school. And I just asked her if it would be all right if I wrote to her once in a while. She said, yeah, that would be fine. About a uh, quarter of the way through the semester she wrote me a letter and invited me to Provo to a, a dance so I guess I, that
0: was the main form of communication at that time I mean yeah, were phones yeah. much uh, of a thing yet or
1: no there's no such thing as a cell phone well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it beat smoke signals so. <laughs> <laughs> so I hitchhiked my way down to Provo went to the dance and we were back in love <laughs> I spent the rest of the semester hitchhiking back and forth on weekends.
0: That's what, from Logan? From Logan to, to Provo. Provo,
1: yeah. Had some interesting rides. Uh,
0: I was going to say, was that ever scary? <laughs> uh,
1: I had one ride that was kind of scary, a uh, uh, group of Mexicans that were a little bit inebriated.
0: <laughs> Did you know that when you got in? No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Got to Willard, and uh, they suddenly had the urge to stop in the one of the orchards to relieve themselves. <laughs> so I said, Let me out here on the highway, and if I'm still here when you come back, why, well, pick me up. <laughs> Fortunately, the very next car that came by picked me up, so I <laughs> didn't have to worry about that. Probably the most interesting ride I had was you know who Almasani was? He was a member of the seventies no. back in the sixties, and he picked me up one day. He was on his way to Salt Lake to a, a meeting, and I was really surprised because he was driving a big black Cadillac, and usually the big black Cadillacs didn't stop for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he picked me up, and that was the longest interview I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he had a captive audience, and he wasn't going to let that time <laughs> waste. <laughs>
0: So was he intimidating?
1: No, it no? was it was very comfortable. He was wasn't preachy or anything like that. He was mm-hmm. kind of interested in me and my life and what I was doing. What are you doing out on the road? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and uh, Peggy got to, or Peggy's mother got sick and had surgery, and she had to leave school uh, the rest of the year. So then my route changed from. Salt Lake to Idaho Falls. My sister told me the other day that uh, I really put my mom through heck. <laughs>
0: With all that hitchhiking? Or <laughs> With all that hitchhiking. <laughs> I'd,
1: I'd come home for the weekend and then on Sunday afternoon I'd have mom drive me out to the south of town and
2: Drop you let, off. let me
1: off. <laughs> and Julie told me that uh, a lot of times mom would cry all the way home so I, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that <laughs> but
0: uh, you probably did you have any idea that no it bothered her
1: no no I uh, you know at that age you're kind of bl- oblivious of any anybody else it's, it's all you kind of true <laughs> yeah
0: you just do what you do yeah
1: you do what you do and we we dated for oh, about another year I guess and then we were on a sleigh-riding trip out at the Manan Buttes right after Thanksgiving, one of Peggy's friends mentioned that the temple was going to be open the 28th of December, and that was Which unusual. Uh, the Otto Falls Temple, and that was unusual because usually they closed during that week between uh-huh. Christmas and New Year's, and we kind of hem-hawed around for a minute, and finally we decided, why not? <laughs>
0: So in a month, we'll... <laughs> so in a month, we got married.
1: <laughs>
0: so back then, what were the celebrations like? Or were there celebrations, like community-wide celebrations when oh, someone got married? Oh,
1: community-wide. Um, it was mostly just uh, family and friends, uh, ward members and acquaintances, parents' acquaintances. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Uh, Peggy Peggy made her dress, her wedding dress. And her and her mother prepared all of the cakes and snacks and things. Did all the decorating.
0: Wow, that's a lot of work.
1: <laughs> For uh, To do that in a month, yeah, that yeah. was a lot of work. And make a dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've still got the dress downstairs in a box. Of course, it's not white anymore.
0: So once you got married, then what did you do? Because you were both still going to school in separate places. We decided
1: at the time we got married that uh, we couldn't both afford to go to school, so we decided that uh, Peggy would work, and then I'd put her through school later. Uh, Mm. And as things worked out, it was a little later that she was able to finish her (laughs) career. When we moved to to Maryland, there wasn't much opportunity there for her education. Mm
0: -hmm. Just nothing close by? Nothing close
1: by. uh, But when we moved to Boulder, uh, University of Colorado was right there, so she... Started school there and finished her degree in elementary education.
0: How many kids did you have then?
1: Um, We had, well, by the time we left Boulder, we had all four boys. It's funny, being Idaho kids, none of our children were born in Idaho. Alan was born in Logan, Nelson was born in Salt Lake, Gordon was born in Cumberland, Maryland, and Mitch was born in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, she was able to finish her degree, and and I was fortunate because when we came to Idaho, I didn't have any prospects for employment, but uh, she went to the Jefferson School District office and applied to see if there was any possibility of working the next fall. They said, well, it uh, just happens that uh, the lady who's teaching our special ed program, her husband died, and she's not coming back. Hmm. So Peggy completed her contract for that year and and then the next fall they gave her a contract of her own and she worked there for 25 years
0: so when you came from Colorado to your farm that was what you were doing was just yeah
1: yeah every once in a while when we were shopping we'd run into former students of hers when we were building the house it seemed like a lot of the tradesmen and people that uh, were working or came to the house she she had taught, so. <laughs> it was kind of kind of fun to see what her students were doing.
0: Yeah, I imagine you build a different kind of relationship and bond with people when you teach them.
1: Oh yes. Then after we sold the farm, we moved to Rexburg. We had a little little spare time, so we took up golfing and camping and a few other things.
0: So that was when you started working at Arco, Artco. when you moved mm-hmm. there, Art yeah. Artco.
1: Yeah. Arco. <laughs> yeah, it's. A lot of times when I when people ask me where I worked, I tell them ARTCO, and they immediately assume that ARCO is... Right. You know.
0: what you do there? Yeah, what were you <laughs>
1: doing? An ARCO.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it was during, during that time that, w- that we discovered Peggy had uh, Parkinson's. And we were out golfing one day, and I had gotten a little bit ahead of her, so I just stepped off to the side of the fairway to wait for her and as she was walking down the fairway i noticed her right arm wasn't swinging like you normally do when mm. you walk
0: her left was her left her well right.
1: her her left she was pulling the cart oh later it was confined pretty much to the right side mm. so we went to the doctor and of course they don't uh, they don't diagnose parkinson's there's, a, there's no diagnosis for it What they do is they eliminate all of the things that can cause Parkinson-like symptoms, Uh. heavy metals. uh, There's a few other diseases that kind of mimic Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And those all turned out uh, negative. So they said, well, the only other thing we can do is to give you Parkinson's medicine. And if it works, well, you got Parkinson's. (laughs) Hmm. So that was how we discovered that, uh, that she had Parkinson's.
0: How long of a process was that?
1: Oh, that took uh, that took a year or two. It was quite a long process. A lot of a lot of testing, a lot of a lot of MRIs and hmm. CAT scans. And she and she taught several years after that. Uh, looking, looking, I was reading in her journal and I noticed that she made a statement that, that looking back, she can see that her handwriting was starting to deteriorate. Uh, before that, yeah, before before we'd discovered anything, we had always planned on traveling when we retired. And when we found out she had Parkinson's and knew what the what the future held, I we decided we better do some traveling and things while we're how we were able. Mm-hmm. So we were able to travel quite a bit.
0: What were some of the places you went? I know you went to Venice.
1: Yeah, I went to Venice. Well, we yeah we covered most of the hot spots from. Italy to Norway, Sweden and Denmark, and Germany and France and then all of the England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland. Oh, wow. So we were all over. We were able to do a fortunate that we could do that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, we had always planned on going on a mission. But uh, when I retired and, and she had retired, we debated on what to do about serving a mission. And we decided, well, we'll just put our papers in and we'll tell them what our situation is and let them make the decision. And Did you they
0: think they maybe wouldn't
1: yeah, let you go? Thought maybe they thought uh, maybe they would have some problems with sending us, but uh, we were pleasantly surprised when we got the letter signing us to Nauvoo. So
0: and you worked mo- mostly in the visitor center. Yeah,
1: yeah. When we got there, it was kind of a transition between the old director and the new director. Mm-hmm. And the old director, he was kind of in a shutting down mode because <laughs> he only had he only <laughs> he had two <laughs> yeah, he had, only had two weeks left, and so he told us to oh, just go visit all the sites and see what you think you can handle, and then we'll assign you. And then we had a few assignments at uh, some of the some of the other homes, uh, the Sarah Granger home and the Pendleton School. We spent the next eleven months in the visitor center
0: and what would grandma do
1: um, she would lead tours uh, when she'd uh, when she'd get in one of her conditions where she couldn't walk and things so I, we'd put her in her wheelchair and set her by the door and she have a she had a little counter and she'd count the visitors as they came in <laughs> elder sager saw her sitting there one day and he walked over and he said sister day she also serves who sits and clicks <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so and then if if it was a particularly tough day I could just send her home and let her relax at home so
0: so it sounds like things were kind of all over the place yeah with her. yeah
1: yeah they were there they the sister missionaries would keep an eye on her and when she would have a, a bad spell she'd sit in her wheelchair and it was you could always tell when she was starting to, starting to come out of that spell because she'd start yawning. <laughs> <laughs> really? And the sister missionaries would keep an eye on her. And when she'd start yawning, they'd say, Sister Day's coming back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we loved the sister missionaries. They were.
0: Oh, I bet they were wonderful. Oh,
1: they were great, great, great young people to work with. Wish I knew where they all were now. So that was that was a good experience for us. Peggy's father died uh, when we had about a month left on our mission. And so Elder Sager Elder said, You can go home, attend the funeral, and come back if you like. He said, But we can give you your honorable release now, and, and then you won't have to worry about it. So mm-hmm. we, we decided that was probably the best thing to do because mm-hmm. uh, Peggy's mother wasn't doing well. and So that's what we did. We did came home and took care of things and then her health started to get a lot worse when we got home the doctors tried some new medications that were worse than the disease really because a couple of them were later blackballed because they were causing deaths wow she found a a neurologist here in town that uh, she was going to Visited uh, her a couple of times, but she didn't seem very interested in, <laughs> in helping much. Uh, Peggy saw uh, an article in, in a magazine uh, c- about the uh, deep brain stimulation surgery, yeah. where they implant the uh, electrodes in the thalamic region of the brain, and she talked, uh, asked her, asked the uh, her neurologist about it, and she said, well, she didn't know much about it, but. Uh, she could write a letter of recommendation to the University of Utah a Hospital. They they did that kind of surgeries. So we went to Salt Lake, and she went through the testing protocol to see if she was a good candidate for it, and and she was.
0: And what made someone a good candidate?
1: Uh, age, general health, uh, mostly those two are the determining criteria. Psychological condition. Those were all factors that would would de- help them determine, and they said she would be a good candidate. So we scheduled a time, and the doctors told us about a little bit about the surgery. That, uh, they don't give her any anesthesia during the procedure at all. At all. Wow. Well, they would do. They would deaden- They had to drill a couple of dime-sized holes in the skull, and they, and they gave her uh, some sedation for that just local uh, mm-hmm. sedation but the uh, rest of the surgery that was they do what they call mapping of the brain and they they have to have the patient awake so that uh, they can have them do s- certain things like twist in the light bulb uh, tap your knees and wiggle your to toes to see the different areas to of see, the brain yeah to, to make sure that they're in the right right area of the brain wow that procedure took probably four or five hours
0: were you in there with her
1: no uh, i figured they had enough to do without worrying about me <laughs> and i i don't think the doctor would have <laughs> let me in anyway right uh, you would have yeah. been in the way probably yeah and then uh
0: how was that for you waiting
1: oh that was that was a long wait this because she was in the operating room about twelve and a half hours, when they when they finally got done, the doctor was exhausted and Peggy was exhausted. When we first went in, they said it's a an overnight thing. You you come in, do the surgery, and then you'll be able to go home the next day. But usually they just do it one one side at a time. Yeah. Uh, but the doctor was this doctor was leaving the university. Uh, and heading to Atlanta to a new position, so he decided to do it all at once. Peggy was so exhausted and so worn out from the procedure that uh, it was about four days before we could go home. It took her about two and a half days to come awake. Doctors were a little concerned. She wasn't able to take any medications or anything during that time.
0: So she was just out? Yeah, she was just, just on her own. Just I mean, on her own, yeah, wow. just sleeping did she talk to you at all about what it was like for her Mm -hmm. for that
1: yeah uh, she said about the same thing I said Uh, I said there were a few times there where I was wondering if I'd ever see you again (laughs) and she said I was wondering the same thing Really? (laughs) yeah they they tried to keep her as comfortable as possible they had a team of nurses that would keep warm blankets coming and Mm -hmm. uh, tried to make her as comfortable as possible and then after that procedure was done, they give them a week and then they come back and they implant the, uh, it's kind of like pacemakers, mm-hmm. uh, one on each side of the of the chest to control the stimulator on that side. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be an overnight thing too, but uh, it took a day or two for her to recover from that too, so...
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> they gave her uh, on her way home we stayed in salt lake the week between the two surgeries and then after they released her to go home after the second surgery they gave her some pain medications in case the traveling got too much for her we got to the rest stop there at uh, millard and she decided she had to she had to stop and she was pretty groggy, <laughs> yeah. so I had to go in the restroom with her and had her in the stall and I was standing in the doorway with my back out to uh, the the common area and a lady came in and <laughs> and she looked looked around and she looked at me <laughs> and then she saw Peggy and she says, "Oh, she says, "Is there anything I can do to help <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, No, I think we've got it pretty well covered. So she went on about her business, and (laughs) there were several times during our travels and things that I have to take her to the restroom and couldn't find anybody to help. So I just shoved the door open and holler, "Shut your eyes, ladies! I'm coming in." (laughs) That usually got some response and some help. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Funny things like that can bring you so much closer together or it can destroy a marriage but uh, in our case it seemed like it just brought us even closer than than we ever were so
0: so what was it like for you watching that happen to her and not being able to really do much
1: well it was it was discouraging it was of course uh, I was confined pretty much to home like she was Uh, Mm -hmm. i couldn't leave her alone very long because if she fell she had didn't have enough upper body strength to to get up so (laughs) i told her if you fall just roll over on your back and take a nap till i get here (laughs) 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 and so if i was out working in the yard i'd have to to make sure that at least every half hour i'd check on her see Mm -hmm. how she was doing
0: i remember her little side table would have her water and her nail file and her book and just all the, her bell. Yeah, her bell. How was that, having a bell for you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, it was handy. I Uh, bet. Yeah, it was, and then uh, I had a little couple of walkie-talkies, she had that by her chair and I'd have the other set in my pocket, she needed me, she could push the button and it would alert me that uh, to come in so yeah but uh yeah it's it's hard watching uh, somebody that you that you love to see their abilities deteriorate like that physically and mentally mentally it wasn't quite as severe as the physical uh, deterioration but uh, but there was still some you mm-hmm. could you could tell she was having a little bit of a tough time with her memory at the at the last
0: did it ever make you angry?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, I I think uh, my reaction kind of mirrored hers, I guess. Uh, I never remember her once saying, "Why me? Why is mm-hmm. this happening to me?" It was uh, something that was happening, and there's nothing she could do about it. So why, you know, right. why get angry or uh, discouraged or things like? That? Oh, of course. There were times when she got discouraged because she couldn't do things she wanted to do, and there were times when I got discouraged because I couldn't do some of the things I wanted to do. So, right.
0: Right. well, there were times I got discouraged because yeah. I couldn't talk to her. Really. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was hard to yeah. it was hard for me to watch that. Yeah, and to just want to interact with her, but it just wasn't. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I I feel bad about that. The grandkids don't really really know what she was capable of what she was like when yeah before the before the parkinson set in
0: yeah that's one reason i'm really glad i got to yeah. come and stay and yeah. go to school with with her and have that yeah experience
1: uh she made a few comments in her journal about the uh, grandkids coming to cl- i think carl spent some time too yeah, in probably. one of her classes she really enjoyed that it was time to get to know the kids a little better Mm -hmm. so yeah towards the last her swallowing got to be a real problem there were a few times we were went to the restaurant and Mm. ended up having to give her the heimlich to Mm. clear her breathing passage
0: that had to be scary
1: well usually usually we were able to I was able to, to get it clear but was one time at uh, we were at Denny's and Dad had just gotten up to go pay the bill, and all of a sudden Peggy started choking and uh, I was giving her the Heimlich and there was a nurse sitting at the table next to us and she was giving me some assistance and the waitress she she immediately ran and called nine one one and Dad was up at the front paying the bill, and all of a sudden the paramedics came busting in the front door. <laughs> he had no idea what was going on, <laughs> but we, by the time they got there, we had things pretty well under control. The day she died, I wasn't able to help her that much, and I called 911, and they were trying to help me over the phone while the paramedics were on their way, but it took 15 minutes for the paramedics to get here. Had to come clear from Idaho Falls. By the time they got here, it was was nothing they could do. We rushed her to the hospital and they put her on life support for three days and they running all kinds of tests and things. And I asked the doctor, if they were getting any positive results at all, and he said, "No, there's no brain activity." So I called her sister Joanne and and Alan had them uh, scheduled a, an appointment with a doctor and the the nurse that was taking care of her. I scheduled an appointment to talk to him about what was going because they had several more tests that they were had scheduled and wanted mm-hmm. to do. So I quizzed the doctor about: Is this something you're doing just because you can, or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or do you think you're going to see some good results from it? And he said, "Well, the past tests have shown that there's no no brain activity." So Alan and I and Joanne kind of discussed it for a minute. And finally, said, "Well, if there's if there's no." indication that any of these tests are going to do any good or or that there will be any positive results we might as well face reality and, and take the equipment off he said well he said that would probably be have been my decision too if it were my decision to make so i said can you give us the rest of the day to get the family together He said yeah we'll wait until the family gets here and then we'll so I, I think most of the family, Alan and Gordon, and but anyway, about eight o'clock, the, we decided it was time. And I was I, I was afraid that it was going to be a struggle for her once they took the equipment off, but they took the equipment off, and I sat by her bed, holding her hand, and she made a few. She made a few gasps in an attempt to breathe, but it you know, was a feeble attempt. Pretty quick, the nurse came in and leaned over and whispered in my ear, said, Peggy passed at 8.15. So I was grateful that it wasn't a real struggle for her. That's a, that's a decision yeah. nobody should have to make.
0: <laughs> yeah. that's one of the difficulties of having modern medicine the way it is is that you have to make the
1: call. yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah the doctors they'll do everything they can and and uh, well that's their that's their mission in life is to save life but uh, right. there comes a time when when uh, it's just going through the motions so you might as well make the decision and get it over with. Yeah, I feel kind of feel for the families that really have a battle over whether or not to... About the same time, there was that uh, case in uh, Florida, uh, the Shivo case. I don't know if you remember that I or not. Don't, I don't remember. There was part of the family <laughs> insisted that she was still alive and that, uh, that uh, they should keep her on life support. And part of the family that... Uh, of the opposite view you know that she's not showing any positive results on tests and things and that went through a long court battle uh, they they kept her alive for a couple of years well n- kept her on the equipment for a couple of years i don't think they kept her alive at all
0: right so the family was so the family battling was battling
1: back and forth and
0: oh that'd be awful so yeah. That,
1: yeah that would be that would be a tough tough way to to make that decision i was mm-hmm. I was grateful for Alan and joanne they they felt pretty much like I did, and I knew Peggy wouldn't wanna stay hooked up to that equipment forever,
0: yeah, that's not really a way to exist
1: yeah, no way to no way to exist that's right, <laughs> so yeah tough decision, but sometimes you have to do that,
0: yeah, life is full of tough decisions,
1: yeah, it is yeah it is.
0: So, how do you think that experience changed you?
1: I don't know. Um, it it might have made me a little more compassionate, because I've always kind of kind of had that side of me. I when I was working as the deputy county assessor, part of my job was to go help the widow ladies fill out their tax uh, uh, relief forms and things. Mm-hmm property tax relief and I enjoyed that part of it I got to know some lovely ladies and it's always a good experience but I think I think that experience with Peggy kind of re- realized a little more that you need to be compassionate and you need to be a little bit concerned about other people and what they're going through
0: because everyone's going through yeah. something something
1: yeah that's right that's right
0: To all our listeners, remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, but especially share your story with us. Together we can heal the world one story at a time.